podcast one production. Created for expectant parents, new mums, new grandparents, or women thinking about becoming pregnant. This series guides you through the highs and lows of pregnancy, giving birth, and the complexities of parenting. Welcome to Birth, Baby, and Beyond with midwife Kath Curtin. Midwife Kath, we're talking about challenges, obviously, and there are a certain set of challenges as grandparents. Well, there's also um, a fantastic role of, of oh. grandparents. And these days, I think more than ever, it's just a really pivotal role in, in young people's lives. And today we have a wonderful friend of mine, um, Hazel Edwards, who is the well-known author of the amazing books, The Hippopotamus on the Roof Eating Cake. Uh, Hazel, I think so many families have sat down at bedtime and read these books over and over again. I did. They've they've touched so many people. So thank you on behalf of everyone. <laughs> You're just amazing, Hazel. And the and and your latest book is um, the hippopotamus on on our roof eating Christmas cake, and it's just. A winner. It's so beautiful. How, how many in the series, Hazel? When did you first start writing? And uh, the, this is actually the seventh picture book, mm. and I've written lots of other books that don't actually have any hippos or any cake <laughs> in them, <laughs> or even a roof. No, they don't. <laughs> but being known as the hippopotamus lady is a spe- special pleasure. Um, but I, the first one was written, um, and I, I work it out from my son's age because he was about four, and he's now 43 and just become a dad, Mm. uh, when uh, our new house had a leaking roof and the workman climbed up on the roof and our son said, oh, that's the hippopotamus up there that eats cake. And being imaginative parents, we said, no, it's not the workman. And his father (laughs) took him up the ladder (laughs) and said, look, there's no hippopotamus here. But he explained that he he was somewhere else working at the zoo or something or other. And, And so for a long time we had an imaginary friend. And that is not unusual no. in families. Yeah. Most other families don't have hippopotamuses who eat cake, but they have imaginary friends yeah. because children at that stage would love to have a big friend with the answers. Yes. Adults would yes. too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Is that the origin of, of, I had an imaginary friend, is that the origin because you want yes. to know the answers? And if you actually look at the hippopotamus books, each of them is about a time where a child is facing something new, mm. whether starting school or going to kindergarten or going to hospital, mm. as mm. Kath mentioned. That is the one that's had some of the most poignant mm. anecdotes uh, that parents have told me of children finding that so useful. And it was written in such a way that it could cover all medical conditions. Exactly. <laughs> Beautiful. So today we're, we're going to really talk about being a grandparent yes. and um, I know you and your husband Garnet are mm. really active, actively involved in your three grandsons yes. and have been involved with my son too as yes, as a as pseudo, pseudo um, grandparents when my parents passed away and and he adores you both. You know, it's there's a lot of challenges for young mm. people these days. What role do you play in your grandchildren's lives, Hazel? Well, I don't knit booties. (laughs) Um, That's one thing I don't do and I don't cook. But (laughs) 
I said originally that I would always be there to babysit in order that my children could work too, Mm. but also that I would provide them with their books and that I would look after the reading side of their life. Mm. Now, with two of them, they live close enough for that to be possible, but one lives interstate. And so we will look at ways of maintaining contact with them. But I think what a grandparent needs to do is to look at what their skills are. Now, I'm woefully lacking in making cakes that look (laughs) like ones in in magazines or even I'm I'm rotten at wrapping up presents. So I tend to give experiences and I think that's possibly one thing. I've come across a number of grandparents who are perhaps um, geographically isolated from their children and um, sometimes it's due to divorce or it's simply a job uh, that's made this happen. And one of the ways that it is possible is if you can maintain contact with the children writing their own stories or linking in theirs. So that's the literacy aspect. But I think you just have to be available. I think you also have to listen and you have to sit on the floor and play stuff. Mm, (laughs) Um, They love that. I think I've probably used what I call the Socratic approach. I personally very much like four-year-olds. I, oh, I think the haven't I said? She calls them little scientists. She loves how just inquisitive love they are. They're I think just the beautiful. four-year-olds are at the height of their imagination yeah. and it's Emotionally a beautiful intelligent. phase. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the phase at which fantasy is so important. Yeah. And people have said to me, what's the point of them reading about an imaginary hippo on a roof that eats cake? And I say, well... The children with whom you share fantasy and well-structured fantasy, which needs to have a logic to it, they're going to be our problem solvers in the future because what they're asking is, what if? And so you allow them to build their bridge that falls down or to make something. It's actually best to say, tell me about that when you haven't got a clue what it is. Um, (laughs) And children who are read to, I notice, because I have a lot of contact with different age children, I can tell the children who are read to. Mm. I cannot tell who read to them and it doesn't really matter as long as it's consistent. And also within a family, and uh, and a family can be defined in any way you like, it's the regular people who care about that child. Uh, It doesn't matter what their official label is. Um, If you have a range of stories, of types of stories, I know one father who used to read the footy scores to his (laughs) son (laughs) and to his daughter later. And they just loved it. Mm-hmm. And then they went on to biographies about sports people and then they went on to all sorts of other how-to-fix things. Mm. But it was the fact that was the closeness. Yeah. Do you have an opinion, both of you, Kath and, and Hazel, on um, the actual physical book or now we've got iPads and those, you know, electronic things? Well, Do you, personally, I'm, I love the physical book. And mm. I love the smell and I love holding them. And there's so many sensory, sensory books. Even um, the cover of Hazel's book has got mm. some glitter, which I love. And you can touch it. And the turning of the page is, is just a skill in itself, isn't it, Hazel? Mm. I like a tactile book mm. like you. And I have been known to drop the odd one in the bath, but I shouldn't say that in public. (laughs) But I do, I read um, on iPad and listen to stories as well. I think the important thing is the the actual story and the closeness. I think in some cases being able to open up 
a book that's substantial with a child and sit down has is definitely a benefit. And for some kids who are very screen-oriented, it's really good for them to have a totally different experience. Yeah. But could I just say something about the sharing of stories mm. um, as a grandparent? Um Last year, no, year before, my now middle grandson uh, and I started a custom, I suppose you'd say. We were going to read every night. He he lives in another suburb half an hour away and he offered to teach me FaceTime and um, my FaceTime skills were zilch at that point. We went for about probably five or six months on and off. We had a few gaps but... It's it's something I would suggest, perhaps grandparents who live a long way it's a from a great the child, idea because it? yeah. um, it's an equal sharing. The child's probably got more t- technology than you've got, it's, and it's therefore magic. the grandparents got to learn the device. Um, <laughs> whether it Hazel, is, you're pretty good. Like you, you've 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 done very well. Mutually beneficial relationship. Yes, that's right. Um, I wonder if we can talk about the changing roles of grandparents now, perhaps. Do you think it's changing now? Oh, I think enormously because I think many grandparents are still working, uh, and particularly the grandmothers, and uh, it's a matter of renegotiating, um, you know, what you can do for each other, and I think um, uh, that would possibly be a trend you'd notice, Kath, would it? Oh, definitely. There's there's a lot of issues I, I see. Sometimes there's 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 friction between the the mother and the the new mother and the grandmother. I went to do a home visit once, and the the mother was out. She welcomed me in the house. The grandmother, I'm sorry, and she said, "Look, my daughter's in in her bedroom crying." She said, "I don't know what." she wants me to do. So I said, okay. So I was there as the, you know, the peacemaker. So I went into the to the young mum who was so tired and her breasts were full and sore and, you know, the baby hadn't slept. And I said, tell me, what's what's the trouble with, with your mum? She said, oh, look, I just, she just drives me crazy. You know, she tells me all the things to do. I said, the best thing for you to do is give your mum a list. Give mm-hmm. her things to Very do. Very good Be- idea. Because what you're saying before, Hazel, there's a lot of people in the world these days who have displaced parents, yes. not because of divorce or anything, but just through work. So, you know, we might have a lot of families here from Perth or from London or, you know, from New York, whatever oh, country. And what the what they plan is for the mums to come over for this very intensive time mm. of 3 or 4 weeks and it's really difficult because you know everyone's quite emotional and when you're just trying to work out how to breastfeed a baby you don't want mum sitting there saying well when i did it we gave the baby this and when and it's are you talking about a list cat to to do your laundry to yep, do yep, yep. Go and do shopping, do the laundry, do some ironing. Practical, practical, the practical is stuff. Is that to well do. received, Hazel? Is that yeah, like a few? I, absolutely. I think it's fine. Mm, uh, it really is. Because generally the older couple want to know how they can, can best help. help. That's right, Hazel. Um, and sometimes there's a difference in cultural expectations too because if you've had two cultures come together, one might have certain rituals yeah. that they think they should do in, in connection with the birth That's of a right. new baby and other ones don't. And I think that's very difficult. Um, 
I think a young couple have got to work things out for themselves, but to have a practical list of what's a useful thing mm. to do, that's fine. I think the other area later on is, is possibly discipline that the older age group of my generation yes. tended to be stricter about appearance type things of being tidy as opposed to being messy, etc. And I think the grandparents just have to let things go and say, this is this person's house mm. and this is the way they want to do it and I will help where I can. Or, and it's or very hard to go from being the dominant female to not being. Wow. 100%. <laughs> yeah, there you 100%. go. Is that like in a nutshell? Yeah, 100%. It and is. by doing that, it's, you know, it's even the same as when you when you're talking about um, reading to a child, you actually, it's a, for a grandparent to say, how can I help? What can I do? Like, would it help if I thing. if I cleaned the bathroom or cleaned the, the kitchen or cooked a casserole or went and did some shopping? What that could they I can, do? With something in it that they can all eat. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I think this is very unfair, actually. I don't think you should just have kids to be able to ask your parents to do this. I'm but you want to. be contacting Mary straight away. But you want to. You, you just want yeah. to. Yeah, and, and, you know, hopefully I'll be a grandparent soon, one day. Woo! Not longer. And, um, I mean, I see it as not looking after the baby as much, but looking after them. Discipline is an Can interesting one. Can I say one. from yeah. the other point of view too, from the point of view of a grandmother a few times over, I am just so impressed with the way some of the younger parents do things now and I think they do it a lot better. Well, they do. And if you're honest, if you remember, I can remember thinking, I I wanted to know whether you put an alarm clock on to feed the baby. Yeah. I knew you, so little your mom, about that. Was your mum involved, Hazel? Not much, no. 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 Uh, but, oh, know, she meant to be. She would have liked... She. She didn't know what to do. Yeah. And um, I think I, I was just very, very ignorant. And being the first of a group of young women to have a child in a group, if you are the first and you haven't got peers who say, oh, well, look, don't worry about that, yeah. I'll shove him in the pram yeah, or whatever yeah, yeah. it is. <laughs> and that's why somebody like Kath is so reassuring or her book is so reassuring. To read in the middle of the night when you're on your own, there seems to be something wrong with the baby, but Kath says, oh, well, look, this is quite common to do. You need that sort of help. And many families don't have it. And so to get it, via a professional, via a book or something or mm. a audio or whatever is is the next best thing. But from a, parent's po- a grandparent's point of view, I think tact is one thing. But I'm I'm just full of admiration. But Hazel, the, also the dads or the partners. The dads are, do more now. They're so much more involved, Huge aren't they? Than, blokes is what <laughs> I call them. But don't yes. you think compared yes. to men your age and my age that didn't well, have... I probably had an atypical situation in that we married on equality, <laughs> which you refer was, to parents Hazel's as well. A great well, feminist, aren't you? Oh yeah, yeah. And really, and really, I mean, Garnet changed the nappies and and did oh, all yeah. that sort of thing. Where you turned the child lucky. over and we're, all that, yeah. but that's not. Uh, uh, that's not so for everybody of that generation. And for a uh, grandfather to say proudly now, I have never changed an appy, I say, what an ignorant man you are. <laughs> um, why have you not helped yeah. when it was necessary? Yeah. It's not a sign, a badge of honour. No. It's just you weren't thoughtful enough. But now the young men... 
are amazing. Uh, I am finding uh, are very helpful. And the other thing I notice is the um, young male friends who are not necessarily the father of the child but are the mates are much more accepting of the baby going and doing things in their life too. Yeah. And so I think quite honestly things are a little better. Yeah, um, I find that too. And, you know, I have lots of dads ring me asking information and, you know, it's it's quite common. I think you both raise an interesting point. The thing for me to stickler, like, um, is that you know your book, Kath, is is so re- you are so reassuring for so many people, mm, and your information is. But you know, it's that line to when you're a parent and you're able to impart that to your child who for your grandchild. That's the difficult line, isn't it? Sometimes there's that tension, like, don't tell me what to do. Oh yes, there is that tension. I know what to do. With, like, without a doubt, there's that tension, and. Sometimes there's um, not as though there was tension with the Hazel's daughter, but the Hazel's daughter Kim was my next door neighbour. It was Kath and Kim, the mm. original Kath and Kim. <laughs> so you know, because Hazel wasn't right there and I was, um, I could teach Kim a lot of stuff. And let's face it, Kath was a lot more experienced. <laughs> but I, I was but, but, aware but it was different. Of that but it was different, wasn't it? Because we was were such friends. A bonus. It was great. <laughs> But that's what that's a village, and that's the community um, helping of it acknowledging yeah. that you need help, and that somebody else might be able to provide that help for your child. Yeah, yeah. is is a really big step, and, and to look, not feel jealous. Yeah, wow, okay. exactly, or intimidated because even threatened. even down to threatened, even down to what people call their children. You know what names they 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 name their children. Like and some grandparents are like. What you know that uh, it's a terrible like you should never comment. I've n- I never comment on people's babies' names. I think they're all beautiful because that's what they've chosen. Yeah. You know, it's oh, their each child goes into their name. I think the other issue is what the grandparents are called because when you've oh, got two yeah. sets of grandparents, or um, sometimes it can three, get very, or three, and sometimes right. you've got four, yes, or variations on the theme. Yep. Um, what are you going to call this? Them? Is interesting. Is it? Is it? Do you do you determine this yourself as the grandparent, or is it an evolution with the first grandchild not being able to pronounce your name, or is it that will happen? If I it's, think that if, happens. Yeah, that just yeah. happens. If it's nook nook or nung nung or something mm. like that, the, the child will make it. Um, the, My neighbour's groggy because the children couldn't pronounce it. Really? Yeah. But I asked to be grandma because I was very fond of my own grandmother mm. and my mother was known as grandmother and that was fine. But my husband wanted to be grandpere. Yeah. And um, the, the kids have all called yeah, him that, do. except yeah. they called him grumpy to start with. <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't pronounce it. Whereas the other, uh, other uh, grandparents across our different combinations have different, you know, nana and papa and so Nana-na, on. Yeah. And, and But I think we did actually talk it out, but... Really, I think the child decides. Yeah. Plus, you you have a preference yourself, and I think it tends to go to what you either <clears throat> what you were me, happy called with. called your grandparents or what your parents were called um, as as grandparents. I like it. Don't you think? Yeah. I, I think it's. Something that I you think know. I'd be Nana. Nana or Nanny. Oh, yeah. yeah. Nana cat. Or just midwife cat. Brooke, what I'd have did to have you them call <laughs> your grandparents? Uh, I had, um, well, I only had one grandmother that, that I, and that she was Nanny. She was Bonnie or Nanny. And then uh, my mother, um, she she just wanted to be called Mary. But um, Harry, my nephew, couldn't pronounce it. So he called her Mimi. And it's always stuck. We call Gorgeous. her Mim. We all call her Mim now. 
Quite, quite the other issue is that some That's grandparents not. feel that becoming a grandparent makes them feel old and they'd prefer to keep their own name especially. rather than the rank <gasps> of grandparents. Oh, my um, God, that is especially the baby boomers, don't you think? Really? Oh, God, absolutely. That's Mary. Yeah, it's the baby boomer group because it's... Personally, I couldn't, I can't wait um, to be Nana or Nanny. But mm. I know a lot of people who um, wanted their name rather than Nanny and, and or Grandma or something like that. And it's like, but just some of them impressive. are some of them are grandparents very early. Like they, yes. their grandparents in yes. the in their fifties or their grandparents, like and so they are each to their own. I think. Oh, I agree. Yeah. But it's I think it's a baby boomer thing. Okay. I think it's like exactly yeah, what Hazel said that right. they don't really want to think of getting old because that's just we're still we're still in the sixties. I have another question. Gifts, lollies. So now with all you know, um, nutrition and. Um, I've seen in, in our own particular family, like my, my father, he loves just giving the kids lollies and chocolates and, you know, sends them off. And it's a beautiful relationship. In other families, it's not tolerated. I've got friends who, you know. Yeah, no sugar. No at sugar yeah. at all. And, and and so, you know, you see <clears throat> these grandparents just smuggling, you know, bits and pieces, like you know. Yeah, drugs. Drugs, yeah. yeah, yeah. Drugs to the kids. But uh, do you think it's crossing a boundary it doesn't have to be sort of built on sugar, you know. I think it can there's there's other things. I can remember my grandfather used to give me fifty cents and Smart. I think my brother's got and sister's got twenty, but I got the fifty. And, nah, nah. I know. Um and you know, there's other things that yeah. you can do. I, I, it hasn't been an issue. We don't no, actually do that. But no. um, I think really you sort of have to respect what the parents do. But Cass' point about it being a treat, I think grandparents do like to give their children treats, but they're, they're not necessarily lollies. Mm. It mm. might be an experience or... Um, mm something they're particularly interested yeah, in. Yeah, or walk. Uh, uh, I, I, yeah, I, I don't think the lollies one is quite yeah, so... I don't think it's... As big a thing. I don't no, think so, no. no. And I think you're right because of the nutrition and yes. and people it, just... And kids just go crackers on, on sugar sometimes. So it's not what a lot of people want. Um, I know my parents, the, 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 with mum, um, she used to take Lachlan for a walk along the fence the fences in the street in Sandringham. So cute. And then go down and watch the train, wave to the train driver, mm, and that mm. was just the highlight of that his day. Treat. You know, so it was yeah. just there's different ways, it's as Hazel said, of, of showing. It's Hazel. I, yeah. I, I think perhaps the other issue is food, where you have a mixture of cultures too, of having to respect um, one of our Muslim friends, um, the halal issue with the family that's not halal. Of course. Um, and, of course, the gluten-free issue with many families. Um, so I think it's just a matter of respect and working out what's possible, but not necessarily crossing what the parents want, I don't think. Dis- yes. Discipline. Okay, I just really want to just straight at this one. Disciplining kids is house rules. Yeah, uh, that's right. If it, <laughs> yeah, I agree with you, Hazel. If they're in, in your, your house, house, you can call them. We have dining table manners, of course. <laughs> yes, um, and house rules. Yeah, yeah. And you, so you, you can't can, go to when someone you go else's. into your house. You've determined the landscape. Yeah. Well, well just, the, the kids know. Yeah, they just learn from that. That's what is acceptable and what is not acceptable. I think um, when you're in your daughter or son's house, you respect, you, you respect their their um, 
boundaries. It's hard sometimes. It's hard when you sort of think that's not the way I'd like to do it (laughs) or I wouldn't do it that. And every grandparent thinks that because it's it's just habit of what you do and you want your child or... children to be doing the same. I can't wait to be having this conversation. (laughs) When she becomes a grandparent, Hazel will have you back in and we can be talking about this. Could I throw in celebrations? Because I think that's another issue. If you've got a difference of cultural expectations and as families grow and they get lots of extra branches and twigs and and so on, who does what with whom and uh, who gets priority can be an issue for some people. You mean like Christmas or Easter or birthday? Yeah, yeah, those sorts of series. But for some families, it's quite divisive. And so the family with the baby spends their life in a car racing around from one end to the other, and that's just not feasible. I think the family with the youngest child should decide what they want to do because they have the greatest challenge. Yeah, I think there's a lot of pressure on young people to sort of be out and about. Mm. Um, And I I often say to um, new parents, you're going to miss out on a party, a wedding, Mm. an engagement party, you know, a dinner. You're going to miss out on things this first year until your things Mm. settle down. And, you know, also you have to trust the babysitter and and who's actually there with your little one. Um, One thing I thought of, which we we have done a lot, is um, sitting around a table playing games, you know, like Scrabble or... um, Card games. Card games or um, trivia. And having Hazel and Garnet, I mean, you just want them on your side because... (laughs) (laughs) We've had some great nights, haven't we? And that's really good for the kids. Mm. Across the age group, it means that the young ones take... Um, part as an independent. Yes. And that's not, um, you know, they're an independent player and if they can't quite read all the instructions, they can ask for help or they can pair up with someone. But I would agree with you. I think that perhaps eating together at the same table, the dining table, (laughs) regardless of how that's done, um, and also uh, I think has points about the games because it's not a screen game, it's... uh, it doesn't matter great. what sort of card game it is, it's quite great. frankly. It doesn't matter if you adjust fish. it to the youngest yeah, one. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, uh, you know, Monopoly or those sort of things. It's kind of talking, really great. You're talking about that that interaction, like yeah. so sitting at the dinner table, discussing how was your day, what did you learn, what, you what, know, just having what was the best thing that happened today? Yeah. What was the worst thing that happened? Yes. Today? It's kind of like that moment where the family stops, if you're able to, if you have you know We all can. We can stop and yeah. just have that moment. And the younger one can set the table. That can be their job, and you compliment the them table for doing a good skates. job. Growing up in Hazel's house, jeez, could yeah. <laughs> have. I'm yes, really strict. Grandma's got rules, <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's fine. And you've got two beautiful children, and well, we're lovely, very appreciative yeah. of our extended family. You know, and we've all had to make adjustments. Yeah, and. Um, I, I, it's none of us is perfect. No, and I think God. the reality of somebody like Kath talking about realistic situations. I think the trouble is if people watch too many TV sitcoms, they think they've got to live like that. Um, whereas actually, most of us are less than perfect, and mm. we just and yeah. simple, pretty yeah, simple, yeah, sort of yeah. 
Love a simple life. You always say manage expectations, be realistic be about it. Be realistic. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Mm. Is there any other tips in terms of grandparents that you both like to set guidelines? Well, I think lots of love and lots yeah. of cuddles. And, and I, I also think lots of stories from, um, from the grandparents' early days talking to their children. That's something we haven't mentioned and something I've become very conscious of recently that some younger children have real problem with different generations of of family working out, why didn't I see that when I was there? Uh, well, you weren't there. Yeah. <laughs> um, and an interesting one occurred recently with... Um, with this eight-year-old who started reading chapter books and my picture is on the back of one of the chapter books, you see, but it's me at about 30. (laughs) And he said, did you ever look like that? (laughs) And then he went to his mother and said, didn't Grandma always look the way she looks now? That's gorgeous. And... Uh, This concept of generations, which is why I think it's really good to have perhaps a wall of photos of various family members at different ages because they find it very hard to work out the relative roles. Yes, yes. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I love that aha moment um, with, with kids when they kind of figure out your dad's sister. Yes, the same I know. I'm, I'm, yeah, and you're like, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Robert's you, your mother's brother. You got it. Yeah, you got it. You uncle. got it. Yeah, that's right. And then, or who's your mother? It's the same mother as your dad's mother. Mim's my yeah, mum too. Yeah, yeah. Can't get I know. Out. Yeah. Uh, that's really it's great. Hilarious. Isn't it? Yeah, that is an aha moment. In another part of my life, <laughs> I run workshops on writing non-boring family histories, and one of the things I suggest is that people write a story for a specific child in their family, um, but they write about themselves at the age that that child is now. So perhaps the first day at school or how they got to school, what they ate, all that sort of thing. But mainly the kids are interested in what the grandparents did wrong at school. What did they get into trouble for? So you have to work from the premise of what they're interested in. But why not tell some of those sorts of stories? Because they often have no idea of some vocabulary like um, a wireless means something in Entirely different to Wi-Fi. Um, a milk bottle was yes. different, and I can remember Shanks hearing. I can remember hearing the horses coming up the street in and Lachlan's like he asked me whether I used to write with a feather. I'm yes. like, oh, for God's sake! <laughs> well, I'm not that old. <laughs> the what I found was fascinating was Shanks's pony because most kids, which is walking, most kids wouldn't know that terminology, which my grandparents sold to me. So I think that idea of having lived in another another world, but they get mixed up. So anything is either now or in the past. But how far in the past it mm. is, is very difficult mm. for you, them to... Con- and that's where grandparents are useful. You raise such an interesting point too, and I, I, I suffer from this too, but we had such a, a, a rapid increase in technological advancement in the last, particularly mm. 20 years. Oh, wow, Like the, the world completely changed yeah. on a dime. And so, but with that, you know, we're all learning these new skills and, and new communication channels, but we do lose the premise or the foundations of why we say what we say. Yes. Mm. You know, yes. and so it's so nice to have that explained to you. Like you're saying, Shanks's Shanks's pony is it? Shanks's yeah. pony is I've learnt, walking. I've yeah. learned something today, but it's so. Sometimes you feel like you you realise you've been saying things, but you've actually never understood 
where they came yes. from. Mm. You can use them in context, but you don't understand. Mm. Yes. And that's such an important thing. Mm. It is. Yeah, yeah you're right. 100%. Mm. And I think uh, humour too yes. with, with, with children as, you know, as grandparents. For a writer, you see, embarrassing moments are the gems on which you found the stories because embarrassing moments are when you put your foot in it for whatever reason. Yeah. And if you're prepared to share that, your readers will go along with you because they've done something of course, similar. Exactly. So that's the foundation of all storytelling is embarrassing moments, but you have to share your own. So it's yes. the Sometimes edited. <laughs> <laughs> that's wonderful. Yeah. Oh, Kath, I can't wait to have all these grandparent tips chats with you soon. I know. <laughs> but Hazel, it's been such a pleasure. Yeah, it's been great, it's, Hazel. Oh, it's incredible. I'm sure a lot of people will benefit that. I think for me, what's been really interesting talking to you both today is the um, is the takeout about boundaries. Like you can have house rules, mm. but it's it seems like it's a very big give and take. The, the roles are fundamentally the same in terms of what we contribute to our grandkids and the relationships. But mm. um, you know, maybe I liked the, the fact that you said you can't always be the dominant woman. You've got to give up. Well, that you've space. got to accept you've got to let that it go. you're not. Yeah. You're not. Yeah. And that's the and that's, big that's thing. yeah. Mm. That's very hard. It's hard for for the new mum too, isn't it? Yeah. To become then that that she's actually the parent and the grandparent is not taking over the parenting that they've never done. You yeah, know? 100%. Yeah. And write lists. I love that too. Yeah. That's, That's very not practical. offensive if you get it. That's a, very practical. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And, and can I just say the other side of it is that grandparents learn an enormous amount from their children, mm. their in-laws, and from the grandchildren. Mm. It, it, it works both ways. I've learned a lot. Oh, yes. <laughs> and I appreciate yes, that. Yes, yes. Mm. Yes, I, I can imagine. Hazel, thanks so much. It's been Pleasure, terrific. Kat. Thank you. This has been Birth, Baby and Beyond with midwife Kath Curtin. Birth, Baby and Beyond is recorded in the studios of Podcast One Melbourne, Australia. Executive producer is Brooke Carrigan, audio production by Darcy Thompson and music by Matt Nikolich. For more episodes, head to podcastone.com.au or download the Podcast One app.